It's not getting it, getting it. So I want to welcome everybody out there in podcast land to the Good Time with Good People Company presents the Law Party Podcast, where it is always about good times, good people, and good talk. I'm your host and moderator, Rio, and let me introduce you to the panel. First, our returning champion, Chris O'Connor. He is the co-owner of Liquid Nine Broadcast Media Production. We've got uh, Dave Elliott, a.k.a. Big Dave, owner of CNP Construction. Brian Massey, he's a data analyst uh, at DST Systems. And of course, the anonymous female, because she doesn't want you to know her name. so, before the podcast, uh, we were having a lively discussion that will be posted up in the precast. Um, uh, if you didn't notice from last week, uh, I started posting the precast because sometimes the precast discussions are just as good as the podcast discussions. Sometimes they might even be better, so I started recording them. Uh, before we get started, I do want to acknowledge uh, the Majestic Restaurants Pendergast Club. Uh, I want to acknowledge Jay Rieger and Company, uh, Kansas City Distillery, uh, and also uh, Lane Boland. He is uh, a member of the panel usually, uh, but he is actually one of the uh, sponsors, uh, or should I just say friends of the podcast. Uh, is, I, I like that term better. Um, it, it helps us keep things pushing forward. So before we get started with today's topic, uh, what are we drinking? And I will start with Brian. I got a uh, barrel-aged Manhattan on the rocks. Uh, and I, and uh, normally I would go around, but I am drinking the exact same thing today. Delicious. From, from, from the Majestic. Right? From the Majestic, yeah, because, yeah, they have a barrel-aged... Our star bartender. Yeah, they have a barrel-aged Manhattan that's pretty amazing. Uh, it's actually, for the majority, pre-mixed, and they do have a real barrel uh, in-house that they, uh, they age it and bottle it and uh, pour it up at the bar for us, and it is pretty awesome. Uh, big day. I am drinking some plantation, five-year rum, of course, of course, <laughs> from, from Barbados. Um, it was really the second rum that I got into. My first rum was Appleton the State out of Jamaica. But, I love uh, Appleton. Yeah, I, I like that too. Uh, but this is uh, it really kind of got me got me on my rum quest where I started traveling the Caribbean and South America ah. in order to discover the different rums of the region. Gotcha. All right. And Chris? Well, I'm always doing a Pentecost with a new whiskey, always. All right. Uh, and uh, I'm going to assume, because that glass is awfully clear, that the anonymous female is drinking H2O. Yes, I am. I'm just getting over from being sick, so no alcohol for me today. I'm like a little bit of good agua. Yeah, and I have not had enough. So. Nothing better than alcohol to get you over sickness. If my stomach could handle it, I probably would. I'm pretty sure it wouldn't today. <laughs> and so what are we smoking? And I'll go around the other way and I'll start with Chris. Always the Illegal Series G. It's still my go-to. Yeah. Day to day. And it is a damn good smoke. I like it. It's a damn good smoke. 
Uh, Big Dave? These are all kind of stick of a model of Flora Dominica. Mm -hmm. uh, this is an Oro. Okay. And uh, it's one of their special rolls. And, uh, that's like a different it's a, it's a quite flavorful cigar. Yeah, that's and it, it, they have two type of Oro's. They got an Oro, Oro Natural, then they got an Oro Maduro. And Maduro is a strong cigar. So, you know, something you, you got to have like after you eat. Uh, it's a good evening cigar, but this this is just your good good home from work cigar, LFD Coral. Alright. Uh, I am smoking my usual uh in our Toro Puente Rosado. Um just just a just a good medium length, medium to full body, just a great smoke. Uh it's really kinda good whether it's just with a drink or after dinner or, or whatever, so uh, like it a lot. Uh, I'm gonna let these sirens pass for a second, because I, I don't know where they're going, but they're they're coming off it fast. And yes, it is actually a perfect segue. The loft is in the city. And yes, the loft is in the middle of the city. So, um, given today's topic, uh, those sirens are actually kind of timely, because today's topic is. Uh, mass shootings. Uh, given the Orlando shooting uh, and all of the other mass shootings that we've had in the country, um, I guess the real question is, what do we need to do? You know, you know, you, you hear a lot of the pundits and talking heads, you know, talking about you know gun control or crazy control just you know it's that it's a mental health issue and you know I I personally think it's way more nuanced than just one of those things alone uh, and I thought that uh, I thought that the panel would have some pretty good thoughts on it but before we do um, I did I uh, found a list of the not all of the mass shootings, because we did, because uh, there was, there's been a lot of them. But uh, this is the deadliest mass shootings, um, and actually, uh, it starts with the one that we just had, uh, the nightclub shooting in Orlando. Um, yeah, was it 50 dead, 53 injured so far? Um, and I also assume there was an Indian Well, and 50 like dead is, is, is it was 49. <laughs> oh, then, 49 in and the then, number. And then the shooter made 50, and they don't consider him a... Nor should they, piece of shit. Yeah. You finish that, Chris? I always think some of there's an Indian tribe who's just completely offended by this list. <laughs> I was like, really? Yeah, right. <laughs> really? Let me tell you some stories. Exactly. Uh, uh, you had Virginia Tech. Um, that oh, was yeah, yeah. That, that was, was the first school, really. Well, no, that University was the second. Of Texas had a uh, shooting. Yeah, thirty-two uh, people killed, uh, seventeen injured. Uh, he had no ideology, though, did he? Virginia Tech. Yeah, uh, not no, it that. It was over a girl or something, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, like he was just like no, kind of an no, outcast, oh. outcast, nerdy type, and. And uh, so one of the few that didn't seem to have any real other kind of ideology behind it, you know. Uh, Sandy Hook, um, 
That was just a crazy man. Yeah, just... Uh, yeah, well, he went after a teacher. Yeah. That's what he went there for. He went after to, to kill a teacher. Of course, 26 people killed, most of them children. And but but that, that young man was severely mentally disabled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he had real. He had this real goes back to Reagan let a lot of these people out of the mental hospital. But did that happen under other And then jail? don't forget that that happened. He was the one who said, you know, you can't do this. I thought that happened under the LBJ Great Society where they started they changed all the mental health rules, started releasing people. Well, some some of it. Yeah, there, some. There was but that was a mass up under but Reagan. It, it happened under. But he Reagan. wasn't old. He was in his twenties. Yeah, that was a mass up. I mean, this. But my point being is that. This young man had been severely disturbed for a long time, and some of these people are honestly better institutionalized. Yeah, I'm sorry. And the I mean, rules I mean, are and this such is, that and we have to get there. away from the PC society that says, "Well, we, we can't institutionalize these people. That would make us bad people if we institutionalize them." No, it makes us good people if we institutionalize them. I'm sorry, they've lost it. Something went haywire in their brain. Something went haywire in their bodies. Yeah. They've lost it. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, it's okay. But you know, it just—it actually makes me think about, uh, you know, you know, it's—it's it's funny how, you know, in these type of situations, you know, they say you can you can laugh or cry. So I tend to look toward things that I've heard comedians say before when uh, situations like this happen, and you know, I remember. Uh, a couple of things that uh, Chris Rock said. I remember yeah, at one. I remember once he said, "You uh, can be prophetic." Yeah, because it was kind of both of them were kind of prophetic. Well, one was, you know, you can't just be crazy no more. <laughs> like what? What happened to crazy? Like you know, they say, "Oh, you know, we need gun control. We need, you know, we need this. We need that." You know, he said, "You know, what happened to crazy? Like we need, we, we need crazy control." Yeah, you, he said, "He said, well, he said we don't need gun control. We need bullet control." <laughs> he said, every bullet needs to cost $5,000. He said, because if every bullet costs $5,000, he said, if somebody got shot, he'd be like, damn, I don't know. He put $50,000 worth of bullets in him. <laughs> he had to do something. So, you know, it just, that, it, it, it helps me to think about, to think about it in a, in a humorous way, to really to cope with it, because the scope of it is amazing. Let me let me push through this list, through. list a little bit, a little good. bit for. Yeah. Uh, now I I didn't remember where this happened, but I do remember Colleen, Texas. It was uh, Ruby's Cafeteria in Colleen, yep. Texas. That was twenty three people. Uh, Colleen is right by um, the Army base. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There was some a crazies uh, down in Texas. Oh yeah, I'm surprised most of the list is in Texas. Yeah, there was a. Um, there was a, uh, a shooting in a McDonald's in California. San, was, San Diego. Yeah. There was tw- uh, 21 people uh, and 19 wounded. University of Texas. Uh, yeah, that, was, that was the tower shooter. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Which is the first one to really? What year was that? The, that really that shook the nation. That was sixty sixty. Yeah, because yeah. I mean that really shook the nation. Yeah. I remember. Being seven years Sniper old and, and hearing that on the on the news at night, which the whole family used to sit around oh, and watch. Yeah. watch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, that was 14 people, 31 wounded. Of course, uh, which 
Brian was probably still a little young for it, but the one you probably remember better than most, uh, the older memory that you remember better than most, Columbine. Oh, Columbine. Columbine, yeah. Oh, I remember being home with Rihanna when that happened. Oh, watching the news. Yeah, 13 And the kids coming out with their hands on their heads and single file line. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 well, it, just it, the shock it's on their faces. Image. It's a shocking it, image. Yeah. High school shootings. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was one outside of Wichita when I was a kid. One of the first big ones were wow. in Crack, Kansas, where they shot up a bunch of kids. Wow. Go, I can go back to parenting yeah. some on that, but that's going yeah. through. Uh, yeah, that was uh, 13 people, 24 wounded. You've got... Uh, it's a post office shooting, and... Uh, yeah. Remember that? Uh, Edmond, uh, Oklahoma. That's when the term no, going postal started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 14. Uh, kill 14. You've got uh, uh, San Bernardino. Uh, just happened. 14 people uh, killed. Uh, you've got... What is this? Uh, Bingham, Binghamton, New York. Uh, da, 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 da. That was 13 people uh, and four wounded. Where was it? Like a school? That or was just a business. When, when was Fort Hood? Fort Hood. Actually, that's next on the list. But uh, Bing, uh, the Binghamton shooting was the uh, American Civic Association is where it happened. Um, Fort Hood um, in 09. That I would was, say which one? Yeah. They've uh, had a couple there. Mm-hmm. That was 13 people, 30 wounded in Fort Hood. And then uh, last on the list, just because these were the most people killed, uh, at, uh, was uh, the Navy Yard in D.C. And there in 13, 12 people killed. Mm-hmm. Very unstable person there again. That guy was a nutcase. You never know what can cause somebody to just... And uh, not making excuses by any means but you can be sitting next to somebody and they seem as sane as you and one thing happens and you just see the crazy and you're like where did that come from well that's a scary thing here's a lot of the issues i think when i was female that uh, my sister's a pharmacist my dad was a pharmacist We tend to treat people with drugs anymore than we treat people with how to get yourself sane again, how to hold yourself up. Yeah. We tend to want to make people victims instead of survivors. Mm-hmm. And if you turn around and you go to a psychiatrist and he puts you on drugs and the drugs have all kinds of side effects, you may take that person that was just having some issues. Now that person has issues that are psychoses that are brought on by the drugs. Do you yeah. really know, you know, where they go? Um, it it has a lot to do with that. I mean, these antidepressant drugs in particular can have serious side effects. Well, there's a lot of antidepressants that you have to take <coughs> another drug to counteract the side effects, and, and, which and is ridiculous to me. You're not. And yeah. I get that there are circumstances that people need it. I totally get that. But I think that you're right. Nowadays, doctors of, of all areas of practice are very quick to take this drug and you'll be better. 
I don't want to. I don't want to get to the underlying cause of anything that is the problem, whether it's physical or mental, psychological. You know, it's to me, it's it's sad that it's such a turnaround business well, anymore. I need to have food. more patience so I can get more money. You know, big big pharma. It, they all they do a lot of research and they come up with miracle drugs for us. They come up with mm-hmm. drugs that just just unbelievable help to us. But at the same time, they're out there pushing to make that profit. Well, we were, um... And so you got to consider that. You know, this is part of the problem. You know, my, my, my father and my sister ran a single entrepreneur pharmacy. Mm. And my sister just sold out to high V not a year and a half ago. Mm. Because they set up through the government with Plan B that you couldn't make any money on Medicaid, Medicare, whichever it is. That she was making like a buck or two profit on a prescription. That's not going to keep you in business very long, especially when you live in a town like Kirksville, Missouri, that has a lot of rural towns around it. A lot of these people are on that. They're older population. Yeah. Yeah. So, or poor population, and then this is what they're on. So, the thing you're battling there is you're battling several things. Their lobby, or well, we a government that can be bought at any cost. Yeah. Any of any of these congressmen and senators that can be bought at any cost. I wonder why they have a little approval rating. We were watching main, main reason right there. We were watching something the other day about uh, oxycotton, you know, is in the same class as I mean it's basically heroin. And I can't remember who they said it was somebody in government was like, This needs to be we need to let this go through and be released and so the FDA just okay. What? I can and promise you, I was in pain when I had my knee replaced. Oxycodone did fine. I had some small withdrawal. Yeah. And I'm, as some of you know, I'm a former drug addict. I've had real. Which withdrawal. is amazing to me that they even gave it to you. So, but. I mean, because a lot of times they're very, you know, if you've had any type of drug issue, they don't. No, they don't. But you have to have, you have to have something strong enough to get you through it. And it's going to yeah. be a narcotic. And. I'm certainly strong enough now. I've overcome so much of my life as a survivor that, you know. Well, I, and, and I think you I'm knew what to going, expect. So. I'm never going to go back that way again. So, you know, it's, there's things I can handle in my life, and I know what I can handle. I wouldn't do something I can handle. Oxy-co- oxycotton? No way. No way. Yeah. You know, that isn't a addictive drug. You start doing meth, you know, particularly women. Women get addicted to meth very quickly. And you know it, it just eats people alive. And yeah, you um, you, yeah. And it's, I did that. I, I, I did all these, it. most of these drugs. I've done it one time. Around. So, not more proud of it, but you know, I understand it. I know what it's like to be on them. I know yeah. what it's like to get off of them. Yeah, a lot of they were. But that's a testimony, you know. Yeah. You you. There's a reason for that. There's a reason you're where you are today. Well, that's that's faith in God. <laughs> I'll stand and testify that anyway. And a woman with a, a cast a, iron frying pan. <laughs> <laughs> well said, an office female. That's another story for another day. <laughs> but it did hurt. <laughs> Sorry, we got off topic. I all that quick to come down on the big drug companies. I mean. I, I do think they've done a tremendous amount of good. I think most doctors are not just prescribing shit just to prescribe shit. I, I mean, 
and I had, I had a roommate who tried to kill himself and walked into my room in the middle of the night with a gun at 3 in the morning. He was going to blow his brains out, and, you know, luckily enough, I got him to drug him up with some sleeping pills, took him to the hospital, locked him up, and there's a two-year battle to find the right combination of drugs. So we were on the tip of the iceberg of brand-new science. Mm -hmm. We were trying to figure it out. And also, I would throw out, too, how many times do you hear the reverse argument where somebody's dying, you know they're dying, and the FDA withholds drugs from them yeah. mm -hmm. that potentially could save their life. Yep. Uh, you know, and I find that to be an even greater wrong. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. It's a very, very tricky issue. I have my, my cousin in particular who I pulled off the street and suffered some same ills I was when I was young, man, he was on drugs. Went out to California, I think he got off Beth, came back and he was schizophrenic. And I'll be damned if I, I should have realized it and I didn't. Hmm. And he went walked into the FBI office downtown Kansas City ranting and raving. Oh, wow. But how would you, got arrested, how would but you know to, I mean, most people don't know what Well, that's, that's, that's where it's know, hard to tell as a family is, Yeah, well, schizophrenia is, that, people can be very, <laughs> just normal, I mean, Joe, it's, it's not an all, easy, yeah, yeah it's not Joe's an easy. Joe's very successful now, he makes about a hundred grand a year, he, he writes a program, he's just brilliant, brilliant kid. I'm not going to call him a kid anymore because he's down to 40. But he's got, he's got <laughs> the right cocktail going right. on. They, they, they mm -hmm. helped him. He, got, mm -hmm. he found a way to get his own help that way by going through the extreme measure, and that's quite a story in its own right. So I'm we're kind of a little bit off subject here. But, you know. I think it's a similar subject. I mean, I think, I think it ties into why people do these things. I mean, we have just tapped into, uh, in our, I mean, like, baby stage of genetic research. So yes, we're throwing catch-alls at things to see if they work, but you will see in the next 20 to 30 years drugs that are specific for your DNA makeup that work. Yes. The science will become more precise. The guesswork will start to eventually come out of it and they will be very effective. And I, I don't think well, there's that... a whole industry people, of people all the way across the board from pharma to government to doctors to everybody else who are in this giant conspiracy to fuck up people and not help them. I think most people get in that line of work to help people. I really I do. Know. And I'm going to say, say that there is abuse in the system. Mm -hmm. I would never say that there's not. But I would say, say that's the norm. I would completely disagree. I think you're right. Most people get into it to help people. But I think that it's, it's easily the money becomes something more. I think that that happens to a lot of people. I think at probably a CEO level, perhaps a little bit at a government level, but you were talking, you would have to be talking to what's the largest conspiracy theory for that to happen. And also in the United I don't States, think it's, it's a conspiracy made, theory. I think more, it's just plain old greed. Fair enough. But I would say the United States has made more advancement in the treatment of more illnesses. People are living longer than they ever have. Now you could argue that the quality of life maybe isn't as good. I don't know. Uh, that's a completely separate subject, but yeah, I mean, I think what the wonders that we've accomplished in the last 30 years are just ridiculous. Mm -hmm. it's, it's stunning. And yes, it ties into the subject only because, yeah, there have been a handful of people that we've identified on the list yeah. that you put together that were maybe what you would call a religious zealot or somebody with ideology, but the vast majority of them were not. Yeah. They you had know, some imbalance. Mental problem, you know, that we weren't able to identify and address. You know, and I think that's the reason why I started with the fact that I think that it's so much more nuanced. You know, I had a co-worker that uh, 
no, I don't think anybody in our office knew that she was manic depressive. And, uh, you know, she was actually the happy, nicest uh, woman that... Well, that's manic depressive. Yeah, but she was, you know, and, and, very, then, very and then one day, you know... You know, one day she, uh, you know, she stayed late, wrapped some stuff up at work, went home and killed herself. And you know, and you know, and I, you know, I think it took uh, it took a long time for I think everybody at the office to kind of wrap their brain around because, um, you know, everybody in the Kansas City area may remember uh, the weather forecast. Well, no, no. Um, that killed himself. On Channel yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah he, was, he was a great guy on TV, but was yep. it Dan Harmon? Was that it? I think that's right. Dan yeah. Harmon was his name. Yeah. You remember Secondhand Records? Uh, or Secondhand Vinyl, I think it was called. I don't remember the name. Uh, uh, I'm trying to remember where the where the store was located, but uh, she was... It was down in Westport, where Westport yeah, uh, Street is now. Yeah, That's street side records. Yeah, I think it's street side now. I think it used to be second hand. Well, no, it's street side for years. Yeah. Well, no, it was. Well, no, it, was years. it may have been second before that. Yeah, well, yeah she. Um, okay. It was street side since the eighties. Oh, okay. Well, no, her location was in a different spot there. Cause, so she uh, owned it. Yeah, but yeah, she was you know big into the arts community here, and, mm-hmm. and when she left the arts community and went and, and she was work, working with us. She was. She still had ties to the arts arts community, and so it was kind of a big deal. Her name was Ann Winter when she. It was a big deal when she passed, and uh, and like I just remember thinking, you know, did anybody know, you know, like, you know, other than you know maybe her husband, but did anybody know, and which which is kind of what I always think when these mass shootings happen, you know. Like like some some people definitely have, you know the, you know Cernayev brothers and you know, like some people have real ideology things that they're that they're trying to make a point and uh, and they do horrific things and uh, but like you say so many of these people seem to have mental issues and uh, and I just always wonder. Did anybody know? Mm-hmm. You know that because well, because because you know because you, you you see so many of like the parents or whatever just like oh I I I just didn't know or I just didn't think it was that bad or and I'm like no like nobody knew well like this this one the ex wife wasn't surprised <laughs> because she had had they got divorced because he was violent mm. but. The parents were like, if I would have known, I would have stopped him. The, the FBI investigated him three different times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and this is my problem. Uh, let me throw out an understanding here. I'm NRA. I'm a member of a gun club. Yeah. Okay? And I will tell you that if we enforced half of our, even half of our gun laws, a guy like this wouldn't be buying a gun. Well, they said, they said today, not well, but they said today on the news... The FBI is the one that does the background checks. Yes. So how did one side not know they what the other was doing? Database. How did they not? Be, really how is. was that not flagged? And in, and in today's world, mm-hmm. you know, I've bought a lot of guns over my time. I bought them <coughs> from 
a person-to-person -person basis, I have to take that gun around and register it. I get background checked every time I've bought a gun. I've had a background check every single time. My brother-in-law owns <coughs> probably pistols and rifles. There's only one gun I know of that he has, two guns that I know of that he has, that he did not get background checks on. One was my grandfather's World War II service pistol that when my dad died, my mom gave it to me and I gave it to Darren, 38. And then his brother, Kurt, makes these beautiful long rifles, flintlock long rifles. And he does the metal, the wood, everything's done by hand. The man is an ultimate craftsman. And that was given to him as a gift. And since that's basically an ancient or an antique style weapon, I don't know that, I don't know if you even have to have background checks or something like that because it's not a common weapon. I just... So, but my, but my point being here is that if you look on the books and you see what the gun laws are, there's no way that guy should have ever been able to buy a gun. Mm -hmm. Which one? Better he was on a terrorist list at one time. He should have never been able to buy a gun. He should have been flagged hard. This is a failure of our government. Which government? The state government or the federal government? Because everybody federal government, because the database Whoever has to does be the run, background run, run on a federal basis so you don't go out of a state to go buy another gun. The state gun. pulls from the federal database, but it's still a state law that mandates where Correct. a person can get but they have But to, they did the a background check on him, and, it did, and he, he, went, and he cleared FBI, him. The FBI cleared Which, him twice. But the FBI should have flagged him. Yeah, but the state law doesn't have to acknowledge the, the, the flag. And they, they're not under any obligation to do that. It's a well, I, but it's a failure. But my point clear. is, it's, it's a failure. Yeah, I'm I'm think, not, you know what? I think that's, that's, a, I think that's a, a really good point. And, and it actually goes to several, several different systems in our government. But this, this in particular, since this is what we're talking about, um, if, if there is a federal... Uh, law or structure in place. Why is it that the states get to decide? I don't want to do that. It's not a federal law that prevents you from purchasing a gun. We're not, but it, I think that's. that's, that's thing, it's overall like why do if you can go through everything? They can opt out of gun laws. They can opt out of. No, no, no they're not opting out of it. They don't. You just said they don't have to. They no, don't have to no, the acknowledge the flag. But he was cleared, so the state did not have to have to acknowledge the fact that there was a clearance. If he had been uh, convicted or they had him on, didn't clear him, for example, mm -hmm. then it would have been a bigger problem that they had sold him the gun. Oh, okay. The guy had been cleared, so the FBI cleared him twice. Yeah, so that for whatever reason, and I don't know, and I'm not, again, I yeah. don't know what the evidence was. Yeah, I don't just know. Not enough evidence. Just to say that the FBI suspects them isn't enough of a reason. The FBI suspects a shit ton of people. I know a lot of people who get stopped. Well, and they, they, they actually interview him. Because the FBI yeah. database is wrong yeah. in a lot of cases, you know, and so it's a mess. <coughs> it's, it's probably harder to get a global entry card, to be perfectly honest, to fly than it is to go buy a gun. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, that, and that's yeah, and that, that, is, that is scary. It was for me. I mean, getting my global entry card was far harder than it was well, to get my, a gun license. My issue isn't with people owning guns. My issue is, like, 
like we're talking about, you know, we've watched so many things lately on semi-automatics and automatic weapons that are now street legal because they're sports. And I don't, I don't understand that. I don't understand why you would need a, a semi-automatic weapon to shoot a deer. Okay, now wait a second. Uh, I, I, and like I said, I'm NRA, and I don't know. You never join any organization and agree with everything they come by. Very yeah. yeah. If you do, you, you're, you're just buying Kool-Aid and it. There's nothing wrong with an AK-47. I, I don't think it's there is. But what may be the problem is that they have, we, have, we allow 30-round clips. I would have no issue going to a 10-round clip. But I, I would but say Dave, and a 10-round clip honestly, with an AK-47, though, what do you you'd need still go to the range and shoot with it in practice. I would, I would even just say a larger problem, and I think you've hit on something that hits on both sides of the political debate. You have the same problem when it comes to abortion as you do with, with gun control, and they are equal in different parties, you know, do this. They refuse to yield even an inch of ground because they think the second you start yielding a, a yielding an inch of ground, you're all of a sudden carving away, and and well put. Eventually, you're going to lose your rights. That's why both sides fight equally hard for things that don't make any sense. Any good but sense. you can, you sense have at to at some point. Somebody has to give because back to what you're saying about Chris Rock and you know they should have a higher cost of, for bullets. I know so many people that make their own bullets. Yeah, it, we it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, no matter what, there go, has to be... If you're going to go out to range and shoot for sporting practice, I mean, you're a sporting shooter, it's very expensive to go around and go out and buy a thousand rounds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, they tax bullets, believe me. Bullets aren't cheap. Yeah. And they aren't getting any cheaper. They're getting more expensive. So you, you learn to reload. Uh, any any inspi- uh, aspiring uh, street rappers out there? Uh, I think Big Dave just gave you the name of a mixtape. Uh, bullets aren't cheap. Remember that. Okay, yeah, there you go. Bullets aren't cheap. Bullets will kill you. But I do think it's an interesting point on both sides because in both cases you can make a legitimate argument that you're dealing with the taking of potential taking of a life. So this is why I think you have abortion advocates who won't even uh, try to pass laws to protect. Uh, late third trimester abortions, which you could easily make an argument that that's a viable life at that point. And I'm pro-choice. And once well, again, and I'm and a gun advocate, but pro-life, I also but, but, I would, but I would also, as a compromiser, say it, I made a horrible mistake. I got pregnant. First trimester, you abort. Because after that, that becomes a child. Yeah, beyond the first trimester. Uh, you can't, it's, it's not even you, the, the first trimester. If you can't make that decision, you can't make that decision in the first trimester. Then you should take that child to term. But it is it is an interesting juxtaposition to me that you have a lot of people who are pro-choice, and I am and I am one, who says that there's at some point of point of viability where you're taking a life away, and I think there's a reasonable compromise to be made there. I'm also a gun rights supporter, but I'm also like I don't know why the hell you. To me, yes. To me, so you look, you look at, you look at, you look at it as murder anywhere around, whether it's abortion or gun control.